welcome to Tree Impresses Dove and Dragon Radio. I'm here with wonderful guest here today, Dr. Greg Stein Steinberg, right? Yep. Okay. I always butcher last names. Now you have, I, you do a little bit, two things. You are an author for one, but you're also do public speaking and coaching. So what came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, actually, I'm a professor. That, that came first. Um, and then I started writing books on performance psychology. And uh, well, my first book, Mental Rules for Golf, is a golf psychology book. And it, it kind of uh, started a, a speaking business mm-hmm. where I speak around the country and the world uh, about golf psychology. And then I, as I wrote other books, um, it opened uh, other doors for me to speak to businesses. So, and it's, it's really fun to, to be on stage and speak to people, but it's also fun to travel and, and meet interesting people who, who like the same topics you do. Right. So what is performance psychology? Well, it's a generic term. Uh, I think your listeners would know, know it more from what, what I say is positive psychology. Um, and it's really about helping. If you look at the continuum of uh, mental health, you have one side, which is anxiety and neuroses. Um, I focus on the other side, which is peak performance, uh, helping people achieve at the highest level mm-hmm. um, and, you know, basically reach their goals that way. And so I would say that's performance psychology, whether it's business or, or sport or music, it, it's all the same principles, but it's, it's allowing people to um, perform at the highest level, achieve at the highest level. I have a lot of friends that do uh, public speaking on motivational speaking, inspirational speaking. So I pull them on here all the time. So we do a lot of TED Talks. That's what motivational speakers do, public speakers. So how many TED Talks have you been on to? Um, well, actually, I did one. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't been at it. I've been, that's the only one I've been at. But, uh, you know, I did one called Fall Up, uh, which is related to my book. Um, I did it a, a couple of years ago. Uh, and it basically speaks to, um, well, really, it started about 10 years ago. I had this... Uh, friend. He's a national blind golf champion and his name's David Metter. And he came to my sports psych class and he would tell, of course, my class, how a blind man plays golf, which is interesting in itself. But he'd also tell my class, which I thought was really inspirational, that he became a much better person when he got blinded. He got blinded at 18 due to a car accident. He uh, became more focused, more compassionate. Um, And so what I thought was, wow, maybe, you know, you can turn tragedy into transcendence um, and you can move beyond just accepting your uh, hardship as Kubler-Ross would say in her last stage. So I interviewed all these people throughout the world who said they had a tragedy, but because of their tragedy, they became much better for it. I interviewed a woman who lost a husband and a daughter in a Mumbai terrorist attack, but she started a peace movement in uh, the Middle East. And, And what's amazing, as I interviewed these people, I discovered that they went through these five specific stages. Um, and everyone went through the, f- the five stages in literally the same order that the tragedy was a wake-up call. That's the first stage, like a slap in their face. They realized they weren't on the path they needed to be, and they must move in a new direction, which allowed them to develop a new mindset, which I call flip the switch, which is the second stage. And they began to believe that this tragedy really 
um, allowed them to see the world in a different way. And it was for a reason. So once they moved in a new direction and saw the world in a new way, they uh, started releasing talents and strengths they didn't know existed, which is the third stage. They released their genius. And then ultimately the, the four stages, they found their life song, which is their purpose. Uh, but what was most interestingly is that they, the fifth stage is they made purpose a verb. Um, basically they, they put their life song into action. And you, you see this all over. Um, you might not know there were stages like this, but you see the, the, the father who loses a child. I've been through every single one of those stages. So I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. People. Yeah. It was amazing that once I started, um, I saw these stages from my research, I started seeing it everywhere. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people like in, in books and in, in media personalities, they'll talk about it. I'm like, oh, those are the stages. Um, so it was really fascinating for me to, um, to, 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 to discover it. And then, you know, I wrote about it in the book, Fall Up, and I talked about it in the TED Talk, Fall Up. Now, is Fall Up out right now? Yeah, it just came out um, a couple weeks ago. Um, you know, and I had my own experience, as we all did with the, um, the pandemic. Uh, I had it on the, I, I wrote it a couple of years ago, and I kind of put it on the shelf for a couple of reasons. Um, and then when the pandemic hit, man, it hit me hard. Like, I got to get my act together. You know, life is too short. And that's why I basically got the book published. Um, and it just, it just came out. And it's a good time, of course, because, you know, we're hopefully coming out of a dark period. And most people are going to see their life a lot differently, have that wake up call, and then ultimately um, move in a new direction. And, and, and the, the pandemic, hopefully, for most people will make their life better. Well, I took the pandemic as, okay, I have all this downtime, so I might as well learn a new skill. So what I do, I go back to school. I get in my, I'm going through getting my law degree. Completely out of the ordinary from what I do for a living. It's not even in my wheelhouse, but you know. It's just there. I have yeah, time. It's amazing. I just yeah, because learn we have a lot different. Yeah. And you have a lot of downtime and uh, a lot of time to reevaluate your life and say, what could I do to become a better person? I think mm -hmm. that that allow that's that's the tragedy to transcendence moment for most people is that the pandemic uh, allowed them to reevaluate their life. And most people like you move in a, in a new direction a better direction, not a better direction, but, you know, a, a growth direction. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's, that's really what follow-ups about is, you know, tragedy and, and um, hardship doesn't have to beat you down. Uh, you can fall up. Yeah. If you go into a pandemic, you go into a situation where you have nowhere to go, pick a new path. I mean, I've been there three times already now. Um, 28 years old, had two strokes and brain surgery, had completely turned my life around. So what I do, start writing books. Well, now I'm doing businesses, doing these shows, have my radio shows on the side, plus now I'm going to law school. So <laughs> you constantly learn. Yeah. So you're, you're part of the community of fall up. I mean, you're, I would have interviewed you if, uh, <laughs> for the book, if, you know, I uh, connected with you before, uh, there's so many people like you that had, you know, a serious hardship. And because of that, they transcended, they had transcendence. 
right. I call it transcendability. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that uh, you become better for it. But ultimately, you know, the book and the, the talk is, is that you don't have to have a tragedy to have transcendence. You don't have to have a tragedy to, uh, you know, make your life song uh, a verb um, and, and, and put it into action. You know, the, 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 the initial stage must be your wake up call. You know, once you realize you're not on your path and you realize you're not as happy and content as you should be, then you have to move in a new direction. But it all starts with the wake up call. And for whatever reason, the tragedy stimulates and it slaps you in the face and it gives you a wake up call. Yes, it does. I mean, a lot of us, we wait until we can't keep doing what we're doing. And for a lot of people, it's too late. They're in their 50, 60, 70 years old. Now, Colonel Sanders, what I, I believe was 70 years old when he <laughs> did KFC. So it's never too late, but they perceive it as being too late in life. Well, actually, I read that story. He was already doing, I think, um, kind of, um, it was in Kentucky and he was, mm -hmm. he was already doing like a market on the road. Yeah. yeah. And he kind of just transitioned into the, the chicken thing because they loved his chicken, I heard, uh, yeah. on, on his store or whatever. Yeah. Well, like. I just use him because I know he was 70 years old when KFC was franchised. So yeah, he, he transitioned uh, mm -hmm. later in life, but right. you're right. There's, there's a lot of people that can't change their career. Um, they don't, uh, you know, they have a mortgage and kids in college mm -hmm. and they can't just quit and, and then, you know, totally revamp, but, but within their career uh, they could recraft it. And what I say is, there's a lot of things in terms of um, your career that you can recraft it. For instance, are you using the strengths uh, that you need to every day at work? So for instance, if you're real creative, are you using that strength? Is you, what you're doing in line with your purpose? I think if you wanna stay in the career that you have, if you recraft it, um, then you can find your niche, find your life song. That actually what ha happened to me is uh, I was um, a professor but I wasn't being as fulfilled as I sh should be. Um, and I was feeling, I could, like at three in the morning, I was feeling this, um, like a feeling of depression and anxiety. And I was waking up and, and I, I shouldn't be feeling that because I was a professional. I was living a good life. And then I saw Dr. Phil on Oprah. That's when Dr. Phil used to be on Oprah. And he was talking to a, a woman and she was feeling the same exact uh, emotions I had. She was describing them exactly the same, but she was in a bad relationship with her husband. And he said, you have to change. And I was, I discovered that was my aha moment. I was in a bad relationship with my career and I just revamped it. I recrafted it. So I would write, you know, I started writing books and speaking mm -hmm. um, and doing this very similar to what I was doing. But at the same um, instance, I was uh, moving in, in the direction I need to do within my career. Right. It's, you have to look at your life. One, you have to evaluate your life, not evaluate your life based on other people's expectations. That's the first thing. And I tell this to a lot of my friends. I'm like, wait, are you dissatisfied with your life because you're not meeting the goals of people around you? Or are you not happy with your life because you're not meeting your personal goals? People can be very happy and just be unhappy with the negativity around them. Yeah, I mean, first off, if you live uh, others, other people's dogmas, I don't know if you ever saw the Steve Jobs um, 
valedictorian or the speech at Stanford when he's doing the graduation speech. It's got so many, you know, like 20 million hits. Yeah. I, uh, I, I show that in my class, but he basically says the same thing you're saying is if you live by someone's other's dogmas, you're, you're in trouble, you know, which means you have to basically live uh, your own life and uh, live to your experience. No, I think we lost you for a second. Yeah, it's, we cannot keep going. And then once you um, figure out your expectations, your dreams, your goals, what are you good at? What path do you need to go on to? It's a personal thing. It's not a mom and dad said this, so I have to do it this way. No, it's a personal thing. And I do this with my daughter. I'm like, you're a terrific writer. I love your stories. You're my little Stephen King prodigy. But at the same time, I'm not going to force you to be a writer because you're going to end up hating it. Do something that you love doing it in your way. Well, I, I think if, if you look at positive psychology, we talked about that earlier. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the tenets of positive psychology is if you uh, use your strengths on a daily basis, you're going to be happy. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Martin Seligman, who's basically the founder of positive psychology, that's kind of one of his, ma his main, I would say, statements that he always uses. You know, use your strengths on a daily basis. You're going to be happy. Now, of course, you got to find your strengths. There's, there's certain assessments you can do for strength finders, but we pretty much know in a lot of cases what our strengths are mm -hmm. um, because what your strength is, is e it's easy for you uh, and you think it's no big deal, but it's hard for other people like writing. You know, some people can't write, but if your daughter can write really easily, that's a huge strength. And if she could use her strength, she doesn't have to be a professional writer. Maybe she just needs to, but she needs to use her writing strength somehow in her career choice because that's going to be easier for her and um, she's going to be good at it and therefore more content. Right. And we see this, it doesn't matter if you're a industry professional in media, it doesn't matter if you're a sports professional or a person working at McDonald's. If we all have our strengths, some are born leaders and if they're not in a leadership role, they're miserable. I'll tell you that right now. I was working as a crew member at several places. If I wasn't in a supervisor role, I was miserable. That's my, I know what makes me miserable. <laughs> yeah. Some people, some people like to be leaders. I, I don't, you know, I, I'm like the person that says, you do it. You're mature. Just go do it. I, I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to, I, I want to lead by example, but mm -hmm. I don't want to basically tell you what to do and, yeah. and supervise you, you know? Um, <laughs> But everybody's a, a leader. You know, my friend wrote a book called You Don't Need a Title to Be a Leader. But what that means to me is everybody's a self-leader. You know, you have to be your own CEO of your life. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, and lead uh, and motivate yourself and inspire yourself. And that's what we're talking about today. But, right. you know, the idea is that um, you could say, well, I'm not a leader. I don't I don't have leadership potential, but you must be your own leader, uh, a self-leader. And then you're going to be happier and more successful. Right. I had a friend. Now, if you would have met me four years ago, I wouldn't be this outgoing, as outspoken, and I certainly would not be on camera. <laughs> but um, they were like, you have 10, sec 10 seconds when you first wake up in the morning to decide if you're going to have a good day, a bad day, or if I just hate Monday. 
that first 10 seconds when you wake up defines your, your day. Now you can redefine your day every 10 minutes. So that's part of what I incorporated. And then once you incorporate that into your lifestyle, then you start seeing, okay, am I happy in whatever I'm doing as my path? Is my path fulfilling every 10 minutes or every day? Yeah, one, one thing I teach a class on happiness um, at my school. And one thing I tell them is uh, to do an early morning happy hour. And with that, it's kind of similar to what you're saying is mm -hmm. when they wake up, most people are, you know, what do you do when you wake up? You know, you think about the th all the things you got to do, you know, that day and it stresses you out. But if you wake up and, and think about three things you're grateful for, uh, it puts you in the, in the right mindset, like you were saying, uh, and puts you in the right mood. Um, Cause it's, you can easily wake up and, and, and be thankful for the day, right? Just that you got up. Right. But the idea is that, you know, it's all about the mindset when you wake up, that you can be stressed out or you can, you know, be uh, content and happy. Exactly. It's people ask all the time, how do you get up when you have all this negative around you? I'm like, I have been close to death three times. I'm thankful for being alive. <laughs> so when you have that mindset that, hey, you're faced with my, your mortality more than once, you go, okay, I'm alive today. It's a good day. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you had what I talked about in follow up. You had the wake up call that you, you know, the wake up call is you realized how uh, the essence of life is being appreciative of every moment. And when you have that, you are not only content and happy, you're productive, which is real important. You know, it's, I think a lot of people like to get distracted and they don't want to face their life and they don't, you know, they're not as happy as they are. So they just go out and do things that distract them from answering the big question is, you know, I'm not on my path and why am I not? That creates a lot of um, uh, anxiety in us. And, but the essence is, is that you, once you answer that question and you struggle through that answer, and once you gain that path, you're going to be a lot happier and more content. Um, and again, you know, you, you, you um, answer that because your tragedy allowed you to, but the, the point is that everybody needs to answer that, whether you have a tragedy or not. Well, I kind of knew my path before tragedy happened. I just didn't think I could pursue it. That was a difference. It wasn't until I couldn't do anything but pursue my path that I changed. Yeah, well, I can see that. Um, what do you mean by you could do nothing but your path? Well, at the time I had a marriage a young daughter, I had to work continuously where I was just to pay the bills. Well, when tragedy happened, now I can't do anything but sit in the house. I can't make money from sitting in a chair because, you know, I can't move. So now I'm writing because there's nothing else to do. Right. Yeah. So it forced you, but you found what you were good at. Right. It, it, it made you you, it, it gave you constraints, but the constraints allowed you to discover a new uh, right. pathway. Yeah, it literally put me in a chair and said, hey, you're going to write because that's going to kill your boredom. Because the first three months of watching TV and playing video games gets old really quickly. Yeah, well, what's interesting is we know not only does it get old, it actually can depress you. Um, mm -hmm. Zeke Mahaya, he studied the flow, you know, he wrote a book called Flow. And um 
uh, he basically said, um, the only way you're going to be in flow is if you challenge yourself uh, and you produce something. So like writing is challenging and producing. If you're sitting there watching TV, you're never going to get into flow. You're never going to be happy. The only time we're really in flow is that we are challenging ourselves. We're meeting that challenge. Uh, there's a lot of pressure and uh, we usually produce something. Right. It's when you're backed in the corner, that's when you're the most productive, usually. Because what do you do? You have that fight or flight mentality. You either fight and be productive or you take flight and run away. Well, if you're running away, you're never going to be happy. If you're fighting and being productive, you find your flow, you find your career path, you find your happiness. They, um, they do things to distract them. Uh, you know, and that's kind of where addiction comes from. I talk about it with, um, you know, that it's a bucket, you know, it doesn't matter what you do. Let's just say it's uh, golf addiction. You keep on playing golf or exercise, but your bucket has holes in it. The only time your bucket's ever going to be full is if you're on your path and you're doing stuff that is your true purpose. Uh, you know, you're basically making purpose a verb, then your bucket stays full. Otherwise you're always doing things to distract yourself because, um, your bucket will never stay full. Right. Are we on our path today or are we just on a path that is leading to nowhere into circles? My grandfather used to use that analogy all the time. Are you running in circles or are you actually on a path to go somewhere? Right. And it's important. Um, but the other thing is a lot of people don't know their path, mm -hmm. you know, and that's where you have to ask yourself, you know, what are, what's, what are my values? What's my my true strengths, what are, uh, you know, my purpose, um, and almost, you know, maybe write a purpose statement. And then once you could kind of align to those three factors, you're, you're not going to start running in circles. You're, you're more going to be on that, the path that you need to be. Right. You can write a business plan for your life that starts with your mission statement. What is your mission statement, your purpose? What do you see yourself doing? Now you don't have to stick to it, because it's not a real business, but it gives your mind in a challenge to see where you want to be. Exactly. But, you know, I think, I think the, the secret to all this is though, you have to um, be aware uh, of your contentment. You know, some people are, have disregarded their feelings, have disregarded uh, their anxiety, um, and they just go through life being distracted because they don't want to answer that question. Um, and that's where the tragedy comes into play is that makes you answer that question. Mm -hmm. um, you can't distract yourself anymore, you know, and you eventually um, have to answer up. Uh, and that's, you know, where the, the follow-up principle comes from is it makes you go through those stages. And hopefully uh, what we're talking about will be a wake-up call for some people. But, you know, what's interesting is um, it doesn't have to be a tragedy. Sometimes it can, you know, we talked about that feeling at, at night mm -hmm. that I had, and, you know, basically it made me change direction. Your physiology would call you out. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're not on your path, you, you intuitively know it, you know, if you're not content, um, there's no amount of distraction that can get rid of that, you know it. And um, once you accept that, um, then you can move in the right direction. Right. It's a gut feeling that we often ignore. Now, I've been told women have this feeling more than men, but I don't think that's accurate. 
It's just we listen to it more than men. But <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, I think um, women are more um, in tune with their emotions because mm-hmm. uh, they like like you know to speak about their emotions a lot more mm-hmm. than men. Mm-hmm. Uh, the brains are different. That we know, like if you take an MRI brain um, scan of a mm-hmm. of a man and you show them emotional stimuli, there's not that much uh, activity. But if you show a, a woman the same pictures, uh, there's a lot more activity. So yeah. women, women's brains are set up to, to be more emotional um, but, in the sense of expressing emotions. So I think they're, they're going to, to, to probably have the wake-up call a lot easier than men. Mm-hmm. But we all feel it, and it's all physiology. It can be, okay, you're not listening to the chest pain, the shortness of breath, the anxiety you're building. So we're going to escalate that emotion or that physical response. Now your health is declining. Now you're, something else is going on wrong that you need X, Y, and Z medicine. And the truth is, is your body is telling you you're not on the right path. You're causing yourself anxiety. You're causing yourself physical pain at that point because you're not on your right path exactly um and and um yeah it, 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 and i think what you're saying is the initial part is going to be a disc a very discomforting feeling but the long term mm-hmm. it, it's going to be way more rewarding and, mm-hmm. and some people don't want to start with that discomfort but the idea is there's no growth without discomfort no i mean everything that we want in life is not easy. If it was easy, it wouldn't be challenging. It would not be rewarding. If you take the shortcuts, what fun is that? Yeah. Well, some things are easier, but when they're mm-hmm. really easy, uh, you're not, they don't, I think when, when it's really easy for some people, certain things like um, sport, they don't appreciate it as much. Mm-hmm. But when they put the work in, then they appreciate it more. So right. that's, that's always fascinating me is, you know, uh, I've been around a lot of great athletes and um, it comes so easy to them, so they don't appreciate it. But the ones that took uh, took a, a lot more work, mm-hmm. they're more appreciative of what it took to get there. And usually um, the ones with less talent achieve higher because they're putting more work into it. Mm-hmm. It is. is more work you put into something, the more rewarding it is to you. It doesn't mean it's going to be rewarding to Joe down the street but it's more rewarding to you. It's your personal goal. Exactly. Yeah, the, the more work you put into something, uh, the more reward. Um, and that's the way life works, you know, the, the uh, right now, if you're not on the, the career path you want, well, it, it might take a lot of work initially, mm-hmm. but down the road, it's, it's really rewarding. I tell my uh, class, every class I teach, um, that your only goal in college is not to graduate. It's not to, you know, get a better education, even though those are important goals. Mm-hmm. Your main uh, ultimate goal is to set yourself up. So at 40, you have a kick butt life, you know, that you're, that when you wake up, you're like, wow, I get to go to work. This is great. You know, and I know that sounds a little corny, but think about the opposite. You're mm-hmm. 40 and you're like, hate your job. How, how terrible could that be? Exactly. And, and the work you're putting into now as a college student is a lot of work. You know, you got to make a lot of choices. You got to, you got to decide what you're going to do and you got to commit and not commit and you got to figure out and it, it takes a lot of work and soul searching, but that work pays off down the road. And if you don't do it now, 
when you're 40, you, you're going to regret it. On the flip side, you can be 40 and go back to school because now you're realizing you should have did it when you were 20. <laughs> right. But like you said, it's really hard for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. Especially if you have a career, uh, mortgage, mm-hmm. you know, kids in college or whatever, it's hard to change. So that's why your goal in college is to set yourself up for a kick butt life mm-hmm. so that when you're 40, you don't have to make a career change that you, um, right. you know, but finding what your path is, you know, discovering what your, um, your true path is, is one of the hardest questions a college student can ever ask. Um, but what I always tell them is you got to make a choice. And then once you make a choice, you can decide oh, that's not right, but don't not make a choice. Always, always make a choice. And then say, ah, that doesn't work. And then, and, and, and know that, Hey, if you got to stay in college an extra year, that's okay. As long as you're setting yourself up for a great life, that's the, that's your ultimate goal. Yeah. Because, okay. I had scholarships for culinary arts. I love to cook. I hate being in kitchen cooking for mass people. So why was I in culinary arts? That wasn't my path that I should have been on. I have, I love writing. So what do I do? I write the cookbooks. I have the experience through school to do the recipes. I know how to follow directions. So, but I like writing. So it's all related, but it's not. Well, you use that strength of cooking Mm -hmm. to go kind of recraft. Mm-hmm. But also, if you think about it, cooking is an art form, and you were using that as an art form. You just didn't realize it wasn't yeah. the art form you wanted to to envelop your your life with, but it was part of it. Yeah. So that's back in the twenties. Now I'm almost forty, and I'm going to law school because I need a different focus. But I love learning. I just like learning. Period. It doesn't matter what I'm learning. I have a doctorate in metas meso uh physiology so or metaphysics it's like okay i just learned it because i wanted to learn right yeah well um that's talking about your strengths you know if you're if one of your strengths Mm -hmm. is a love of learning which mine is too then finding the right career that allows you to um, implement that on a daily Mm -hmm. basis you're going to be content and happy but if you don't like the love of learning then you know, being a professor is probably not the right job. But um, if you love of learning uh, is a huge strength for you, then something in the education field is probably a, a great choice. Yeah, I mean, it's, if you love learning and your nose isn't in a book, you're not happy. <laughs> but, you know, that's personal choice. But we're almost out of time. So where can our viewers and our listeners find you? Uh, well, two things. One is if they just go to my main website, Dr. Greg Steinberg, so D-R-G-R-E-G-G-S-T-E-I-N-B-E-R-G.com, they can see the TED Talk there and a bunch of other videos that I've created um, and so, you know, see some of the books that I've written, all the good stuff. So that's kind of the hub. That's the hub. So yeah, that's a perfect, easy one. And then they can find you anywhere from just Googling your name, I'm sure. Just Google, just Google me, you'll find me. Well, it was an excellent talk to see you, Dr. Greg, and I look forward to hearing more about your wonderful tech talks or books coming out or anything else. Thank you. It's been a pleasure uh, to be on your show. Have a wonderful day. And for our readers, happy reading.